This bookcast is proudly brought to you by Actualize. We turn books into bookcasts. You are so cool. You're listening to Piss Off Old Paradigms or Piss Off Old Paradigms by Sheena Blake and Casey Valentine. Lose weight, feel sexy, and change your thoughts by linking unconscious behaviors to new productive habits. Welcome to the first ever made bookcast. And we're back. The truth is, this routine seems too good to be true. It's so simple that everyone thinks there's more to it. People always ask if I changed my food, but the answer is no, not really. I didn't start by changing my food, but when my body and mind changed, I did desire different foods. More on this later. What I changed first was my behavior, which then changed my results. Here's a quick visual. I'm 5'10", and before I started pissing off old paradigms, I weighed 230 pounds. I was a size 16 and felt sluggish, slow, and tired all the fucking time. I felt ugly, actually, point blank. I was not enjoying my life. Today, I wear a size six, I weigh 180 pounds, and I feel fantastic. I'm always getting comments on how good I look. The thing is though, when I set out on this journey, I wasn't only trying to change my physical body. I mostly wanted to shift my thoughts about my body because I was learning that my self-image was one of the key proponents of making me a better person. What one believes about oneself is the thing that shows up all the time. I wanted to show up as the most beautiful, powerful, brilliant woman in the world. And that meant I had to change what I thought about myself because actually I thought the exact opposite of myself in all of those ways. I thought that I wasn't beautiful and that I had no power because I wasn't beautiful. And I actually thought that all of the intelligence that I've ever had in my entire life meant nothing. That's silly, but that's really how I felt. I talk about paradigms later in another chapter, but for now, what I really need you to know is that I wanted to change some parts of me that were not bringing me the results that I wanted for my life. For example, my body was so heavy that I couldn't participate in activities that I wanted to be a part of. I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin that I would cancel dates. I was afraid to do walk-in sales visits because I felt so unattractive that I was concerned that no one would take me seriously. Like I thought that they would think I was ugly, so then they wouldn't want me to sell them anything. I know, it's crazy, but that's really how I felt. Even thinking about this right now makes my heart ache. If you've ever been in a place where you're scared to do something based on how you think you look, it's time for you to change that thought. Cause baby, it's not helping. In fact, it's actually harming you. Chapter one, gangsta love. I had chosen Kevin in the mid 2000s. I felt head over heels in love with his laissez-faire attitude towards life and his gangsta sex appeal. (laughs) So stupid. Within two years, we were pregnant with our first and one year later, pregnant with our second. While I was pregnant with our first, I was beginning to recognize that Kevin had no plan for us to be financially stable. I remember opening up a bank account for the baby and Kevin partaking for a moment until he wanted to take the money out. I would be constantly getting stares and worrisome looks from close loved ones and friends because I was starting a family with no money. I knew they felt sorry for me, but I felt like it was too late. Like what was I gonna do? Leave this man and be a single mom right away? So I said, fuck it, and I stayed. Dun dun dun. And then came our second. 
This time, it wasn't concerned looks. It was definitely judgy looks. There were so many men who knew me from my childhood that when they found out I was pregnant, said to me, should I say congratulations? <laughs> I felt so terrible. It was hurtful. And I was angry at all of them for years. Actually, I was angry at myself because I felt like I was just making more bad decisions. Being pregnant with the sun and the moon, my two babies, wasn't the bad decision. And really, I'm glad that Kevin is their father because I wouldn't have the life I have now without him. But at the time, I just felt hopeless because during the second pregnancy, we were so broke that we didn't have enough money to buy food. We had to go to the food bank and we were so down and out that we pretended not to be together so we could get more food. We were broke with zero prospects of being unbroke. <sighs> That's a lot to remember, actually. Those were some tough times. Um, lots of tough times. I remember going into a car that I had secretly saved up money for and bought and sitting in it when the babies were sleeping and screaming at the top of my lungs, why, why? And knowing that I wanted to leave, but just not making the decision to do so. If you've ever been broke before, you know that poverty can lead to abuse, either physical or mental. Not having enough typically leads to desperation. When you want so much more for your life, but you can't make it happen, frustration overwhelms you and you seem to sit in a permanent state of anger. Or at least we did. Kevin was never actually physically abusive to me, but there were definitely times when things got out of control and I felt like I hated him, my life and everything in it, except for our kids. Our relationship was, from the beginning, volatile and contentious. Really, at the end of the day, we just weren't right for each other and you just don't know until you know. I knew he was never trying to hurt me because at the core of him, he's a really good soul, but <sighs> we had great moments. And to be honest, we made sweet, sweet love together very often. But after the lovemaking sessions were complete, things would go back to World War X. It feels so shitty to share the story because I don't want to disrespect him. He gave me the sun and the moon, but our relationship absolutely sucked. And if you're listening, Kev, we made the most fantastic beings. So thank you for that. And I'm glad that we're done. I wanted to separate because I blamed him for everything that was wrong in my life. Like everything. I actually thought that when he left, things would be perfect or close to it. Sadly, this was certainly not the case. When he left, I was over the moon. Free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty, I'm free at last. I hadn't experienced freedom like this in a long time. But the freedom forced me to reflect on what I looked like and what my life looked like. I realized that even without him, my life wasn't perfect. Sorry, Kev. I didn't have enough money, I was overweight, and my kids weren't behaving the way that I wanted them to. All in all, I realized that my image of myself was an absolute mess, and I had gone on autopilot hoping someone else would make me happy. It took me a year to decide to take full responsibility for my life and stop blaming him. It was at that point that I started making powerful changes to my routine. I went to bed at a different time, 
I watched different things. I decided to do things by myself. I took myself out to dinner and to the movies. I started taking courses to help me become a better person. Here's the thing that you'll want to take from this chapter. A lot of us had or have a gangsta love, but this type of love doesn't usually get any better. I'm not going to mince words. Get out. Abuse on any level is unacceptable and it will be very difficult to see yourself when someone else is blocking your light. You gotta shine, girl. And if he is dimming you in any way, you won't be able to see that shine as clearly as you want to. It's a lot, I know, but you're going to have to make a decision. Chapter two, 450. I have been a big self-help type reader for most of my life and if you've ever read anything self-helpy, you'll know that making decisions is one of the first rules in the best life club. Damn, that doesn't sound as good as Fight Club. Okay. So after Kevin and I separated the first time in 2010, I went back to school again. I thought that if I was going to be a single mom, I needed to be a good one. So I decided that social work was the only thing that really made sense at all to study. While I was studying though, there was a business incubator competition that was awarding $8,000 to the top three business plans in the school. I came in second or third, I don't really remember. What I do remember is that I had just been seen for the first time and winning meant that my ideas were viable ways to bring in an income. Shout out to the administrator who helped me through this process. I could not have done it without you. This is where DDP was born. At the time, DDP was much more social worky and designed to support people through story and space as they share deep feelings of diversity. <laughs> wow, has it ever changed? It was at this time that I published my first book. More than that, get your copy at discoveringdiversitypublishing.com. This book is a sweet bedtime read for young children. And it starts off like, mama loves me more than there are stars in the sky and daddy loves me more than there are blades of grass. And it came from the things that I used to say to my babies when they were really small before they went to sleep. So if you want a sweet something to read to your babies, grab this book. DDP as we know it now is innovating the self-publishing industry by making it easier for thinkers to become authors. Actualize makes it easier to disseminate information on a grand scale. So if you want more information, please do check out actualize.com. A-C-T-U-A-L-I-I-Z.com. DDP was my first adult outlet to create my own money. Entrepreneur life. This was the second thing that gave me freedom. I finally didn't have to answer to anyone. Not my partner, not my boss, no one. It felt scary and wonderful all at the exact same time. But it became too scary after I released my second book, which is called Choose to Be Your Vision. It came to me in a dream. Ooh, much like this one. Ha! Yep, nope, realizing how weird I am right now. That's okay. It's who I am, and I love it. Choose to Be Your Vision you can also grab from discoveringdiversitypublishing.com. It is all about how the sun decided to shine. Through adversity, we really figure out who we are. So grab your copy. I'd love to know your thoughts. I couldn't figure out how to get more clients and it was just too much for me. All of that inside shit was coming up 
all the feelings. And all I kept hearing in my head was, you're just a stupid lady who doesn't know anything about anything. Actually, it was more like, you're just a stupid girl who doesn't know anything about anything. So I quit. Or I put it on the back burner. Either way, I wasn't doing DDP. I just wasn't going to do it anymore. Circa 2013, I started working as a server in a lovely hotel on the countryside. I loved taking care of guests. It was pretty awesome because there were guests that would travel from distant places and ask to be served only by me. Me! I always felt so special when that happened. Actually, my thought process is more like, well, hell, if I could teach other people to serve the way I do and have them work while I work, it would make us all money. My dad was an entrepreneur, so this was a very logical step for me. I created a training manual and started reaching out to other people who already served with me to see if they were interested in serving in other places for me. My first sale was with a vegan caterer. I sent out two staff. I made $4.50 and I wasn't even there. It was probably, aside from having my children of course, one of the greatest feelings I have ever had. Okay, what's $4.50? It's nothing, right? Wrong! What I saw from that $4.50 was potential. Pure potential. Service Co. was born on that magical night. Service Co. now is, um, well, doing better than $4.50, and it brings me so much joy because every time it grows, I learn something new. Um, one of the most recent things I've been learning is that growth comes from or within a company growth comes from actually doing sales calls and that seems like usually I give very like spiritual and personal growthy type answers to things but the truth that I've been learning about about growing business is making sales calls and creating relationships with your clients and it seems simple but <laughs> it took me a while to change my self-image enough to be able to make those calls and believe in myself and I'm still growing and I still have a ways to go, but I really, really enjoy this part of my life. If you're thinking about starting a business, do it. Do it. I'm that little voice in your head. Well, in your ears. In your ears, you hear me. So let me speak directly to you. I want you to do it. It is going to be scary as fucking hell. It's gonna be like maybe one of the biggest things that you've ever done. But I want you to jump. Because in life, it seems to me that there's no other purpose other than doing what is in your imagination. So if you want to write a book, start a company, fly a plane, you got to step in to it and get it done. You'll learn more about acts of purposefulism later, but in the meantime, I want you to get your ass ready because you about to do something major. Casey here. Yeah, starting a business is, <laughs> I like to call it the realest form of personal growth work. If you're the type of person who does read self-help books or you do exercises to try and make yourself better, starting a business is actually the practical work. If doing exercises is education, the schooling, starting the actual business is when you get out in the real world because it will force you to expand who you are if you want to make that business grow. And I listen to interviews all the time about uh, people who, who create startups and people who have massive, huge billion dollar companies. I don't know, interviews with Jeff Bezos or interviews with like the founder of Starbucks and things like that. Big people who talk 
talk about their experiences and every single thing that all of these people have in common is they had to push their personal or physical limits. The ones who persevere, the ones who become really extremely successful were the ones that overcame all of those objections that they had in their head, didn't let those fears become at the forefront and they pushed all the way through and they went all the way in and came out on the other end. And so what I realize is like I, as I grow businesses, I have to morph into the person that can handle the growth. It's not easy by any means, but it does require you to be open to growth. And once you're open to it, then the possibilities literally are endless. So it's, it's actually a wonderful thing. I know that I become a greater person as a result of starting businesses. I wouldn't change that for the absolute world. The other part of it I wanna say is that the people who stay as employees for their whole life, which is nothing wrong with, mm -hmm. but you are missing out on the opportunity to push yourself to levels that you've never seen yourself go. I think that you're missing out on a little bit of life if you do that. I really do. That's a big statement, but push yourself really hard to start a business. And even if you fall flat on your face, that's part of it. I definitely think that's part of business. You have to be able to pick yourself back up and persevere and go back in again. It's not gonna go smoothly the first time because you're learning new skills you never learned before. Or sometimes it does because you learn quickly and you're able to just go with the flow. It really just depends on what you have to work on as a person, but go for it. I'm looking forward to seeing your results and hearing from you. All right, Casey out. Thank you for listening to our bookcast.